It's Tuesday, March the 15th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, first evacuations from Mariupol and China to give Russia financial support. First, the world in brief. Ukrainian officials said more than 4,000 people were able to flee frontline cities on Monday via seven humanitarian corridors. Over 160 cars left Mariupol, a blockaded port in southeastern Ukraine, for the city of Zaporizhia to the northwest. This would be the first successful evacuation out of Mariupol. Russian shelling has thwarted several attempts over the past week. More than 2,500 residents have been killed so far, according to city authorities. Large explosions in Kyiv, the capital, were reported early on Tuesday morning. China has agreed to lend Russia its economic support, according to briefings from American officials. America also fears that the government of Xi Jinping has consented to supply the Kremlin with attack drones and surface-to-air missiles. Russia denied that it had asked China to provide it with military equipment. A spokesperson for China's embassy in Washington said he had, quote, never heard of such a request and that his country's priority was to ensure the conflict does not escalate. The Kremlin suggested that Russia could soon storm and take control of major Ukrainian cities. Their spokesperson said Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, was against this tactic at the start of the war, fearing Ukrainians would use civilians as shields. Earlier, Russia and Ukraine had resumed peace talks with a tad more optimism, after both sides reported productive discussions over the weekend. Britain plans to announce a new set of sanctions on individuals with links to Mr Putin on Tuesday. Mr Putin, meanwhile, signed a law allowing Russian airlines to keep aeroplanes leased from foreign firms. Western sanctions mean such aeroplanes cannot be serviced by their manufacturers. Russia also temporarily banned the export of sugar and of wheat and other grains to countries in Eastern Europe and Central Asia. Germany said it will buy 35 American-made F-35 fighter jets to replace aging aircraft, the first major purchase since it committed 100 billion euros, 110 billion dollars, to military spending in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Meanwhile, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president, said it was, quote, too early for him to rule out buying more Russian weapons. His purchase in 2017 of a Russian-made air and missile defence system angered America. A woman holding a placard reading, quote, stop the war and telling Russian people they were being lied to, interrupted the evening news programme on Channel 1, one of Russia's most-watched stations. She was later identified as Marina Ovsyanakova, an editor at the channel who has Ukrainian and Russian parents. Ms Ovsyanakova has reportedly been arrested. It was a rare breach of the Kremlin's control of state news. Other news. Iran promised to stay in talks to revive an international nuclear deal until an agreement is reached. Negotiations stalled last week when Russia demanded that its trade with Iran not be affected by Ukraine-related sanctions. China reported a record 5,280 new symptomatic cases of COVID-19, 
more than half of them in the northeastern province of Jilin. The country is facing the biggest test yet of its, quote, zero-Covid policy, with 11 cities now in some degree of lockdown. Australia and the Netherlands launched legal action against Russia for the downing of MH17, a Malaysian Airlines flight, over Ukraine in 2014. The two countries hope that the International Civil Aviation Organization will penalise Russia. And fact of the day, 10,000, the number of people or firms subject to American sanctions, covering everything from torture to cryptocurrencies. And now here's today's agenda. Russia's war grinds on. The war in Ukraine, now well into its third week, remains a slog for Russia. Ukraine's army has mounted fierce resistance in the suburbs around Kyiv, the capital, forcing invading units to pause their ground offensives while they regroup and gather supplies. In the south, Russian forces have made more progress. They have taken towns north of Mariupol, a port city which remains under a brutal siege, and may be advancing towards Dnipro, a city which houses key crossing points on the Dnieper River. If Russia continues to advance from the south and northeast, there is a risk that Ukrainian troops in the east could be cut off and defeated. Nor is the war confined to the eastern half of the country any longer. On Sunday, around 30 missiles hit a training base outside the western city of Lviv. The explosion could be seen from over the border, 25 kilometres away in Poland. This could presage more attacks within spitting distance of NATO territory. Puerto Rico's new fiscal plan Six years after America's Congress initiated a bankruptcy process in Puerto Rico, the island's finances are on the mend. In January, a federal judge approved an agreement to reduce the debt directly owed by Puerto Rico's government by 80%. The deal goes into effect on Tuesday, relieving the island of crushing interest payments. A new fiscal plan, devised by a congressionally mandated oversight board, is being implemented. It includes the first pay rises for many public sector workers in eight years. After a decade and a half of demographic collapse and economic stagnation, during which GDP contracted by 20%, prospects for Puerto Rico's 3.2 million inhabitants are improving. Tens of billions of dollars in federal aid will help to buoy the economy. But the island's politicians need to use the opportunity by implementing reforms and financial discipline. If they do not, the angry protests that have plagued San Juan since 2014 will persist. The world's first crypto bond When El Salvador made Bitcoin legal tender in September last year, it became the first country in the world to do so. Soon it will chalk up another first when it issues a $1 billion 10-year bond backed by the cryptocurrency. Nayib Bukele, the president, will use half the money to buy more Bitcoin and the rest to build, quote, Bitcoin City, a planned settlement on the slopes of a volcano where the cryptocurrency would be mined. The plan has the crypto community a buzz, but not everyone is excited. 
the IMF has criticised El Salvador's adoption of a cryptocurrency and appears to have halted negotiations for a $1.3 billion loan. Few Salvadorans have shifted from using colones, which are pegged to the dollar, and the value of the government's Bitcoin holdings has plunged since last year. Mr Bukele, a millennial leader who masks his authoritarian tendencies with flashy policies, wants to prove he does not need traditional institutions. His wager may yet fail. North Korea's Rocket Launches While the rest of the world has been immersed in Ukraine, North Korea has been getting on with what it does best, conducting troubling rocket launches. The country recently carried out two, claiming they were to test equipment for the eventual deployment of a quote, reconnaissance satellite. But this may not be the whole story. The Hermit Kingdom has launched satellites before, but analysts think they are no longer operational. State media says the regime wants new ones to gather information on quote, US imperialism and its vassal forces. But America claims the last two rockets were really launched to test intercontinental ballistic missiles. If so, that would spell an end to the self-imposed moratorium on ICBM and nuclear testing that North Korea officially announced in 2018. Analysis of satellite imagery suggests that North Korea is preparing to show off the might of the regime during a large military parade. The launch's true purpose may become clear soon enough. Countering Kremlin Claptrap Efforts to weaken Russia's disinformation war are cropping up rapidly. One, a website called 1920.in, urges volunteers to text or email Russians who are randomly selected from its database of 20 million mobile numbers and nearly 140 million email addresses. The Polish activist group behind the site, Squad 303, provides messages in Russian to be copied and pasted. Millions have been sent. But the tone is shrill. Snippets include, quote, Putin destroys Russia, and, quote, time to overthrow dictator Putin. Russian security forces have reportedly stepped up spot checks of smartphones, looking for signs that citizens are sympathetic to foreigners. A Lithuanian site, CallRussia.org, takes another approach. It asks Russian speakers abroad to cold-call Russian numbers from its list of 40 million. Astonishingly, almost half of answered calls lead to conversations, says a leader of the project. Then there is the creative use of dating apps like Tinder. Hoping to discuss events with Russians, some concerned foreigners have changed their profile location to Moscow. All's fair in love and war. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. Which 1985 album by Dire Straits is one of the best-selling in history? 
with more than 13 million copies sold worldwide. Monday, which magazine editor was widely seen as the model for the boss in the book and film, The Devil Wears Prada. Finally, here's the quote of the day from H.P. Lovecraft, who died on this day in 1937. Creative minds are uneven, and the best of fabrics have their dull spots. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 